Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. I like the side eye. Who's going to start? It'll be me. I don't know. It's me. We'll see. It's you. We're here. Hi, Diana Gasparoni. And Nisha <laughs> Salisbury. Um, I don't we know. Are, are we? we, we I, oh, be real. <laughs> I don't know if we're on today. Like, like we're a little off, but we're still here. We're going to bring it. We're going to do the best job that we can. Yeah. So here we go. Here we go. So we have a new format, a different format today, don't we? Yes, we do. I'm excited about the different format today. Yeah, it's just the two of us hanging out, talking, what we do and what we observe. Yes, as therapists. Yeah, it's cool. In a pandemic, during a racial reckoning. Yay. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We have been watching TV together vicariously from each other's apartments. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, and I have to say that I didn't really know too much about the show that we've been watching until my client brought it to my attention and said, Anisha, are you watching In Treatment on HBO? And I was like, I am not. Uh -huh. And I think that he, he wanted to talk about it. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. Yeah. And then I, I said, Diana, are you watching In Treatment on HBO? And I said, no, but my <laughs> analyst is watching In Treatment on HBO and we were talking about it. So I think I should watch it. And that's how all of this came about. Look at that. I know. And so as I was watching it, uh, it was also most people know it's the NBA playoffs too. Yes. So like it was happening in two different rooms and one of us was yelling at the basketball, like the interactive sports fan that he is. Uh huh. And I was yelling at the TV and the interventions in the same <laughs> way. I was like, no, no, don't say, Ooh, no. Oh, that was good. That was good. That was good. I liked it. I liked it. But that, no, oh, mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, I love it for that reason. So, so let's set it up. Okay. Okay. So let's just let our listeners know the last season of in treatment was 10 years ago. So let's be clear. The show hasn't been on in 10 years and they brought it back. And so they changed it up just a little bit because before the therapist was a male white therapist, and now they have a female black therapist. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge change from what I noticed, but when I look back at the other seasons, they always had a diverse cast as far as the clients will consider or the patients. 
the, and the same thing is this time around for sure. And I think in the choice, I mean, I, obviously I wasn't in the writer's room, but in mm-hmm. the choice to have the therapist be a black female therapist, especially in this climate, I think it was really good because as we have seen, and we have talked about during the pandemic, there are, there's been more awareness about the importance of not mental health in the uh, black and brown communities. And so knowing that there are people out there that look like them for treatment is really important. So I thought that that was good. I liked that. That gave, that gave me a check. I was like, check. Yeah. And I think that it really is more of a depiction of present day. Like yes. that's what therapists look like. Everyone, yes. right? Like, Everyone. So you can have a black therapist, a Latinx therapist, a Muslim therapist, right? Like it really runs a gamut. So I did enjoy that part as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's quickly set it up. So the actress Uzo Aduba, she is the therapist, Dr. Brooke Taylor. Um, and if you guys don't know who she is, she is from Orange is the New Black. And so she has three clients that we see. And so the first client is um, Eladio. He is Latinx, probably roughly 25 years old. Mm-hmm. He's a home health aide, a yep. living home health aide. Um, yes. And then we have Colin. Um, he is white, probably in his fifties, mm-hmm. um, millionaire tech guy, fresh out of prison for a white collar crime. Yes. And then we have Layla. Um, she is a teenager struggling with kind of finding her identity. Um, and she identifies as black mm-hmm. and then there's the doctor, right? And so she is a psychologist. Uh, she has no children. She's about roughly 40. Both of her parents have died. Um, she hasn't left the house during the pandemic, which is very interesting. And she's also an alcoholic. Oh, and a big part of all of this is that she had an abortion at 15 years old, mm-hmm. which shows up in the show, but also shows up in the treatment oh, a little wait. bit. She okay. Didn't, she had the baby. The baby. Oh, she, no, right. She didn't have an abortion. I'm sorry. She had the child and gave it for adoption. Right. And the other character, um, cause there's two other characters. There's Rita. There's Rita who is her sponsor, who mm-hmm. is a big part of Brooke's life. And the uh, one other character is boyfriend. Adam is the boyfriend. Adam, boyfriend, who's white. who's white. Who she met in graduate school. Yep. And then the grandma, right? The grandma of our teenager. Yes. Who was very overbearing. Yeah. And I like that there was, a, I think what's really interesting is the, how few people you see yes. in this show um, that we're just seeing the setup of the treatment room, treatment room for lack of a better word, because she does see patients at home. I think that is a big part of all of this guys. Well, to be in the first uh, 10 years ago with Gabriel Byrne, he uh-huh. also saw people at home, but there was okay. a separate entrance. So he had like a, there was the house and then he had like a, like a den. Mm-hmm. extra like a side you could come in and out through that uh through that entrance and then there you could you could there was a door to his office. home okay right like his, separate the living area so he had like an office that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> an office attached to his house which does happen outside of, i mean we're in the city it doesn't happen for us but i do know people that have had their offices at home and what that's a very interesting dynamic not one not one that i would want um i like the separateness uh but i guess we've all been working at home for the past well 18 19 months and letting letting people in through video and this is very different though this is very different we believe that it is set up during the 
the backdrop is that it is during COVID. It is during the pandemic. Yeah, she discusses it that she actually closed down her 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 office has not opened back up. So she yeah. is seeing clients at home, mm-hmm. which is very, very interesting for me because um, I think that part of our work, clients really want to know more about who we are, mm-hmm. right? And I yep. think that, you know, they look at the layout of her home, right? They look at how it is decorated. One of them made reference to, you know, where she lives as if like it's very expensive where she lives. Mm-hmm. So then he understood a little bit more about her socioeconomic status based on it. Um, Eladio, which is the younger guy, he actually walked through her home when he came in. I mean, he right. walked through, he looked at her pictures, he asked about things. So that was very interesting for me as a therapist. Yeah. Like, how would I feel someone walking through my home asking me questions? Well, I think as me. we're talking about it, right? So Eladio's first session, we see her in the first one. Um, video. But the first contact we see is him calling her at to at like go. midnight or sometime between midnight and two. Um, I forget. And she picks up the phone. So that was my first like, oh goodness, clutching my pearls. What is she doing? Answering the phone. Um, the first boundary that I was like, oh, ooh. And then in that same episode, we see him on video and know that he is quarantining with the family that he works with. Right. And the second patient, Colin, because it does go in order, right? The second patient, Colin, his first session is in her house. Right. So we got yeah. to see a couple of different things going on. I think that that's what drew me in. Yeah. Was the first thing I thought is she has poor boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> Layla was in the, so Layla and the grandmother come there in the house yes. and Rita comes over, she's in the house and the boyfriend comes over and he's in the house. So it's interesting. And it probably has to do with And they don't really, I don't know how much they fleshed it out, but because he was working with his family, Eladio, then he wasn't leaving and being around other people because of the work that he was doing with the son. So not to, to make sure that we were taking precautions. Uh, We didn't see any masks throughout none. none. So people came in without masks on from outside. Um, Now, Colin when he came to visit, he came with something like a probation officer and she actually had forms that said that he was vaccinated. So she did ask for that, but I don't, we don't know if she asked for that with her other clients, Mm -hmm. whether or not they've been vaccinated. So I didn't notice that. And that was a very different, very interesting dynamic too, because the first four sessions for Colin, because he was just coming from prison were pro bono and she took him pro bono. And we did find out he had a little bit of loot. And Eladio, his, his sessions are being paid for by the family that he works for. So that's very interesting because he talks a lot about money and accessibility and far, as far as him not being able to f- afford her. And right. so I think that that brought up something very interesting about therapy and, you know, how much it costs and that yeah. it is expensive. Yes. And for some people, they can't afford it, but it's not like, you know, therapists don't take insurance. <laughs> And it's not like we don't have sliding scale, right? For people who may not be able to afford our normal rate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we will, um, you know, go down on our rate because of maybe how much you make, right? And so Mm -hmm. there are concessions that we, you know, have, right? To help out people who need a little bit of extra help. And we see that over the course of the treatment with Eladio that she, when he does come to session in person, which 
continues to be at her house. So he comes to session in person and he brings cash because he's because no, he's no he's longer working for working the family guys. For the so family. he has to pay. Right. And he has brought enough money. He understands that the relationship is there is a transaction in the relationship and the transaction is money. And he wants to keep her as the therapist. I felt like it was a very empowering moment in his, for him that he was able, he was able to say this, this relation, I want this relationship. It's important to me. And I'm, I, I have the cash and you can't just, you can't get rid of me. (laughs) I'm here to pay. And I think it's interesting because the other session, especially Layla, there is no talk about money and we don't really see um, that this is a transaction. And I think it's interesting because with a lot of therapists, sometimes the part that comes with the transaction could be uncomfortable for both the client and the therapist, right? And so as a supervisor at Be Well, when I interview people, that's one of the questions that I ask, like, how comfortable are you with taking money? Mm-hmm. because yeah. um, it does bring up a lot of feelings and especially for therapists as well about worth. Like, do you feel like you are worth the money that you charge? And then does the client actually value, right? The, what, the work that you do and are willing to pay. So there's so many kind of pieces that are going on in that transaction. It is a different, it's uncomfortable for the therapist to have the conversation and also really putting a worth on your mental health Mm-hmm. And like how much work you were going to do, like that transaction is about you and the work that you're going to put into the room and how much you really value being well is. And I think that that is when, when we start to look at it, like the more skin you have in the game, the harder you're going to work. And it's an investment and you, yeah. and it's one mm-hmm. of the best investments that you can ever make. And I've said that two clients. And I've also said that to people who have asked me how much I pay for therapy. Right. And why do I pay so much? <laughs> no, I've had people who are like, I don't like, I don't, I don't get why you go to therapy. Anisha, what do you mean? You don't get it. I'm curious about me, the decisions I make, my behaviors. Like I'm curious. Yeah. I want to know more. I want to have a better understanding. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean there's anything wrong. No. Just right. And continue, I'm willing to pay for that. Continue to understand yourself better. Should we start with the relationship between Brooke and Eladio? Yeah, because I that. think that that was uh, we can go step like week by week. We can actually go week by week because the progression in that one is really interesting in that in the storyline about her and the baby that she gave up when she was 15 and where it's showing up in her personal life and also where it's showing up in the room with Eladio because we see that that induction in her and how she works with him. It's really uh, in some ways it's uh some her boundaries get a little loose, but there's also some really there's some good content that she pulls in. I mean, also too, we have to consider that we're only seeing this for four weeks, and like what we saw in four weeks would almost take like four years for her to be able to like get to. <laughs> like, I think that that's really important, right? Like when we see when we see ourselves when we see our profession portrayed on TV, it's like people are getting all these interventions and this insight in like three weeks time and. Right. Eladio's like psyche would not have been able to handle like he and in my opinion he was my favorite patient because he his pushback with her and what he said about what was going on with the relationship was really powerful for me but like to be able to say that and understand what's going on between you and your therapist in two weeks or three weeks doesn't happen it doesn't happen like that 
that situation, we can just take the whole time of the pandemic. Like if it had been from the beginning of the pandemic to now, which is like 18 or 19 months, whatever I stopped counting, like he may have gotten to that level of comfortability where mm -hmm. he was able to identify what was going on in his feelings. And that's okay. Cause it would, it's definite. I think we should definitely like encourage that those things would not come up in four weeks. And I think that what we see in her is that she's very honest, right? Yeah. As a therapist, she's blunt and she challenges people to kind of be authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Like she, she brings you to like this necessary place of discomfort. That takes time. I cannot do that as a therapist in the first couple of sessions because you will leave. Yeah. Right. Like the relationship has not been built yet. Right. So I can't challenge you in that way. Right. I no, can't be that blunt and I can't be that honest. It would be because you don't know injury. me. Right. Right. Like you're not ready for that. The relationship is not ready for that. And so that's what we don't get a chance to see mm -hmm. that that type of honesty and pushback takes a lot of time because yeah. if you want people to continue to come and not give up on therapy, yeah. then you don't push them in that way that quickly. Right. And she had some really nice things, like really good things that happened. Like I thought between the two of them and that like he had the screensaver on the video and she asked to see the room that he was in and they had put him in a childhood bedroom of the young man that he was taking care of. So he was really being, uh, not only was he uh, working in for this family, but he was also being infantilized here. Like in, yes. like it was the very... same as the same as the son that he takes care of. Cause the son he takes care of is in his twenties, but right. they treat him like he's like a 10 year old. Yeah. So there was a lot of infantilization, a lot, um, a lot of him trying to understand his own worth in the world and who he is. And there was a diagnosis that had been giving to, had been given to him so many years ago that he really identified with. He was given a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Am I correct? Yes, you are correct. And through their work together, she kept challenging that diagnosis, which I loved. Because then that meant for him, she was challenging who he was or who he thought he was, right? Mm -hmm. And who he understood himself to be as well, right? I think that was a big part of it. Like, this is who I've understood myself to be all this time. And now you're telling me it's something different. How do yeah. I sit with those feelings? How do I sit with them? If I don't have this diagnosis, who and am I? What's wrong with me? Then who what's, am I? Right, what's, wrong? what's wrong with me? And she normalized his feelings. Like yes. he, he just like, he was, he's passionate. He's thoughtful. He was really, really smart, like really well-read in that passion of wanting to be loved and wanting to be heard and wanting to be seen, there was a diagnosis given to him. And she was like, I don't believe it. Which I think that's interesting because the work that we do is very different. So when I worked in the clinic, mm -hmm. diagnoses was so important, right? Yeah. And I think it became so important because Medicaid, let's be clear, needed a diagnosis in order to pay for treatment, right? 100%. And so what happens is as therapists, guys, we have to give a diagnosis at that point in the first session. Yeah. So that means I have 45 minutes to an hour to diagnose you. And that's very difficult because I don't really have enough information. Right. I just don't. So in the work that we do in a private practice, it's mm -hmm. very different, right? It looks very different we are not always looking for diagnoses, which is right. not, that's mm -hmm. not what's important. 
what's important is the relationship between me and the client. Yes. And them kind of understanding who they are. I'm being curious about them, them being curious about themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it just looks so, so for her, she had to deal with him wanting to understand his diagnosis and wanting to know his diagnosis when that really wasn't what was important for her, but he didn't realize that. And she really, he wanted, he, right. He wanted to refill his list his lithium. And she really took the time to get to know him before she would give him the psychiatric about the psychiatric referral. Right. Cause that's all he wanted at the, at the jump was like, I need, you know, I want my, I need these, these filled up and I'm how, who am I going to be? If I run out, there was that intervention, which was really good when she made him count the, uh, how many pills he had left mm-hmm. and that he, he had to go through the pills before she like that's how much time he gave her before they could have before he could he could get the psych about there I spit it out and so that really gave her time and in in the hardcore medical model which I'm not going to trash the psychiatric industry the field because we need it yes we do but but there is like we I mean it's a luxury that we have which it shouldn't be right? Like that we have in private practice, it is a luxury that we can work with people under those circumstances and just really get to know them and see if this is really true. Like what is under, what underlying things are really true. And Mm -hmm. we don't have to diagnose right away because it's okay to be passionate and big and like full and have all of the feelings that Eladio had. And he just wanted to be loved, which was just all he said. Like he, remember he loved that guy. Like he had fallen head over heels in love with this guy. So, yeah, I I think it's interesting because I I know sometimes people would come in and see me and they wanted an answer, right? And they felt like the diagnosis was the answer. That's going to tell me why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. That's going to give me that, like, it's going to explain all of it to me. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you're so much more than the diagnosis. Right. For sure. And I want to help you see that. That's what's important to me that you see that you're so much more than a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this pandemic, people are coming in. And of course, the first thing they're coming in with is anxiety. Let's be clear, guys, like generalized anxiety, mm-hmm. social anxiety, we're seeing all of it. But then they're like, is there more, Anisha? And I'm like, what more is it? Like, what, what, what more do you think it is? So it's so, also so very interesting to see people feeling like there has to be something wrong. Because right. why am I feeling all of these feelings as if, you shouldn't give yourself permission to have all these feelings. Mm-hmm. There has to be something wrong with you because you're sad. You're also anxious. You're also tired, but you can't concentrate or you're in a pandemic. Right. <laughs> something you've right, never right. experienced before. Before, Like how do you, you don't know what you're supposed to, how you're supposed to feel or what yeah. you're supposed to do. I had a supervisor say to me once that um, I don't keep a DSM in my office. So okay. we have to tell our listeners what that is, you know? Well, now then I'm going to have to know what DSM stands for. Is it diagnostic statistical? Sure. Yeah. We might have to, we we might have, hey, Dawn. (laughs) We might have to ask our phone a friend, phone a producer, (laughs) phone a friend. Hey, what what does the DSM DSM stand for? for? This is embarrassing. No, for real, Dawn, what does it stand for? The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Oh, we looked it up. That's what Okay, it is. we got it. Thank you. I knew it was more than just what I said, right? It had to be a mental the disorder. D- I mean, you know, it's the DSM. <laughs> That's um, what we call it, guys. Sorry. <laughs> but she heard the intervention was giving, she's like, well, give them the book and have them pick their diagnosis. And I, it's, which is kind of interesting, right? Like from that model. I mean, I've never actually done that, but I have 
I have asked, what is, what is it? Like you, you've but obviously- But that's what people do before they get to us anyway, right? Like they Google all of the symptoms. Shit out of it. And so they already know <laughs> what the diagnosis is and they just want you to- agree, To confirm. <laughs> right? And who am I to say what's going on in your mind? Like if you come in and you're like, I have a borderline personality disorder, and I'm going to, I'm not going to challenge that. I'm just going to say, so tell me, tell me where you came up with that diagnosis and we're going to go from there. Or I have an anxiety disorder. Where'd you get, where'd you get that diagnosis? Like sometimes it's WebMD. Sometimes it's just the Google. Sometimes like, you know, when you're up against WebMD, you, you're like, okay, you can't win. Yeah, no, that thing goes deep, man. It goes deep. Like you can keep Googling and Googling and Googling and Googling. And you're like, whoa. Oh, we have, wait, we have something from the beyond. The DSM fifth edition was updated in 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they update it pretty, not that regularly. And then, um, no, they change a couple of things. They take stuff out. Some things become more important than they used to be. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. We just put in the blog for pride month at be well, how uh, homosexuality used to be in the DSM as a disorder. So they do mm -hmm. have to update it on the regular. Mm -hmm. It's they true. Do. Some things, some things are not disorders. They just are, are. what they are. Yeah, exactly. So back, to, back to Eladio, um, because there is a, a relationship that goes on between the two of them. That is, she becomes very maternal. Yes. And that's when we find out that she gave up a child for adoption, a actual a son for yeah. adoption when she was 15 years old. So we see how those feelings come up when she is kind of taking, she wants to take care of Eladio. And I, I think. think that that is a lot of, well, right there is a PSA for therapists to be in therapy. Right there, there it is. Because why? Countertransference. Exactly. So in, in that moment, dealing with it. Like she, we see that she wants to meet her son. She wants to do the work to find him that there's a lot of, a lot of conversation with the sponsor, with herself around who made her gave up, give up the baby, what that meant. It was all about the dad. And then we learned about the mom and that she's, she's seeing Eladio and he is the same age as the son would be ish, right? Mm -hmm. Give or take. And like those feelings are then being played out in the treatment. Some boundaries get crossed a little bit. Right. Because she starts to do things outside of the norm or what she would normally do with clients. Right. The first one was she answered the phone at 2 a.m. She wouldn't right. normally do that. No. There have been sessions she had with Eladio and they would go over. Right. So they would go over the allotted time. I don't know if she does 45 minutes or an hour, but they would go over the allotted time. And then she would say, hey, if you have more time later, like I can talk to you again later. Right. And so that's not what normally happens, guys. Right. Like your session is your session unless there is like a real emergency, of course. Right. But she was just like, I'm available to you at all times. And generally we don't we're not available to our clients at all times unless we well, are on like an emergency call list and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, but I also think that that talking about that boundary and why it's there is important, right? Yes. Like, okay. That boundary is there because we, our, our, our jobs are to help the client form this boundary, right? So that like, and understand themselves in that moment. And like, there's a frustration tolerance that you have to tolerate in order to hold on hold on to 
your therapist internally until the next session. Like in that frustration tolerance, you learn so much about yourself because it's like, oh, I want to call her right now. How do I work through it on my own? How do I work through it on my own? This feeling is going to pass. It's okay. It's not like it's a, it's a feeling. It's not going to, or a thought. It's not going to kill me. Do I have to act on it? So like holding on to that is really where the, where like you talk and then there's the cure, right? And as therapists, we have to allow you to hold on to that. And that's what she was not doing. So we can't have a VIP list for our clients, right? Like in some (laughs) ways, everyone has to get treated the same in some ways, right? I mean, depending on your situation. So if Mm -hmm. I have a suicidal client, then things might be a bit different because I might be asked to do a bit more in between sessions, depending on how you're doing, right? But other than that, I can't be on call for you. That's not the nature of our jobs. And so that's what she was showing in these sessions that she was basically on call for him. But it's, yeah, it's not good for, it's not good for the patient. It's it's not good for the, for the therapist either. Right. It shows like, there's no, there's no modeling in that, right. There's no modeling at behavior and letting and having that intrusion that you like, then you're showing the patient that that intrusion is okay for them. Like anybody can intrude on them whenever they want. Right. And we want you like, uh, again, we want you to feel that you have, that you are whole, that you are, you have boundaries that are good for you, that people understand them and you set the limits on yourself that are necessary to feel um, good in your body, in your skin, in your mind. And the relationship that you have with your therapist becomes a model of the type of relationship that you can have with others. Because in therapy, you know, you are allowed to feel like you are seen and heard and understood. Right. So if you can have that with me, you can have that with other people in your life. So I think that that's really important as well. But I think that we are going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk, talk about, about our other <laughs> clients and those relationships. So we'll be right back, guys. As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy. And if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L, to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. And we're back. So we do want to know, um, as you've gone this far with us so far, 
on your walk or sitting back with your tea, having your listen, uh, how you like the content today and the direction that we're taking it in. So if you could just give us like a thumbs up, what you like, what you didn't like in the comments, join the Facebook group uh, and let us know. We'd be really excited to hear from you because we are having a great time. (laughs) So we hope you like it as much as we do. And now we're going to talk about Colin. So that was week. This was her second session of the day, I guess. And Mm -hmm. as we identified, Colin is white male in his fifties, a tech millionaire who was in jail for white collar crime and has been delivered to her door by his probation officer. And he gets four pro bono sessions, which I found fascinating. So the four, I guess you get the pro bono to get back into society. Yeah, she would make a decision on whether or not, I I guess, is it whether or not he should be off probation or I I, I didn't get that. I didn't understand it, but. I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I didn't, I did not know that like you got for like that we were the, that that was a thing. I don't think it's really, I don't know if it's a thing, but it it was a (laughs) thing for Colin for sure. Yes, I, I didn't do any research to see if it was a thing. So that dynamic was fascinating to me. So he was like at the height of his game. He had, didn't he say like he, when he was giving the background story, he said his parents were hippies, but like ended up making a ton of money in organic foods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he was able to fund his companies and then had a knack for funding, but didn't he like, didn't he sell something that didn't exist or something? Yeah, like he made some investors believe things about the company that weren't true, which led him to prison, basically. Right. Like maybe there was an IPO that went bad. I don't know. Something like that. He definitely had the presentation of somebody who things had gone his way for a long time, like Mm -hmm. very, very white male, very, especially in that age group. Very privileged. Very privileged. Like how dare anybody question him? Mm-hmm. He seemed somewhat insightful. Like the character seemed somewhat insightful. I don't know if you noticed they didn't shave his neck though. I thought that was weird, but um, <laughs> like, I, that was just weird. That was just like, so a little for sidebar, me, but- my thought was how much of what he's saying in therapy is true, knowing that she has to make a determination on his future. Right. So like when it comes to that, do you really give your true self or do you give the self that you think someone wants to see in order for things to go in the direction you would like them to go? Well, definitely not in the first section between the two of them. Right. She did some really like she read him correctly. I thought I the intervention when she switched chairs. That was why do you think that was important? So many things were happening in the room. The dynamic that she is a black woman and he is a white male. Mm-hmm. That she so the power put, dynamic, the power dynamic, and then she put him in that seat, and he his his persona changed. Like he sat up straight, he spun around mm-hmm. in the chair, he started to say more. And the way that she brought it up, and she was like, "My back, you know, I'm more comfortable on the couch." Like it was really well done, mm-hmm. and. I thought it was super smart and I was just like, but where is it going to go from here? Like what happens? How is she going to, how is she going to maintain control of the room? Right. But she did. And then three sessions later, he was 
he said to her, how's your back? Like he figured it out later. That it was BS. Mm-hmm. That it was an intervention. I don't okay. know that he. Well, BS was the part that her back wasn't really hurt. Right. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely think that he, because he said that from the couch, right? Like mm-hmm. not from her chair, that he was identifying for himself a little bit of like, I mean, he was a prick. So like really identifying that like there was, there's a vulnerability or there's an emotional piece of him that's missing. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth bringing up again, going back to the poor boundaries. Yeah. Um, that there comes a time in one of the episodes after their fourth session, she didn't say what he would have wanted her to say to the probation officer. And because he knows where she lives, because her sessions are done in her home, probably like 10 o'clock at night, he's banging on her door. Right. And he seems to be a bit inebriated and angry. Mm -hmm. So for me as a therapist, I'm like, what does that feel like? Right. Like I have a client who is upset with me and inebriated and is at my front door. Like I would not feel safe. No. Which is probably why for me, I guess I would never have sessions in my home. Like that's just not a comfortable thing. And we talked about that sometimes depending on where you're from. Right. We live in a city, a big city. Right. So we would probably have an office, but a lot of people have offices within their homes. Right. Like, what is that like? Well, and also too, she didn't have to open the door. Like she didn't have to no, be No, she did not. And this is where we see not in her boundaries that, I mean, she was having a cocktail. He came in. It was that night, right? Yeah, like she's on night. her off time. He picked up the bottle. He complimented what she was drinking so the like intersection about of her the, personal and professional life, mm-hmm. right? How that her, doesn't normally happen for us. No, poured herself a drink and then her boyfriend came home and the boyfriend called her on it because she sent the boyfriend to the bedroom. Right. And he was like, what are you doing? Here? As and if she should have probably told her client to leave. Right. Not him. Yeah, it was, it would, and that she definitely was not on her game. She definitely did not put on her professional. No. Psychologist superhero coat. And then in the next session, but the next session was really good because he was in the, he was in the um, driveway waiting because he had said he asked the ex-wife to come. Right. And it it, it ended up being a lie, but it ended up being, it ended up being a lie, but also what she got out of him in that session was like, I think he was more vulnerable because he saw her more vulnerable the night that he came to the house. So I think that that's a big part of our work at times too. I've had clients say, Anisha, you know so much about me. I don't know anything about you. Right. It feels unfair in some way for people. Yeah. And I think there is something, I mean, I don't know that you have to go to the extreme. No, like of they're, in your, they're in your living room and you're like pouring them your best scotch right, and you're no. like, Hey, and your man comes <laughs> home and you're like, Hey babe, just go back to the bedroom. I got this. Like right. maybe we don't have to go that far, but there is something about when the, in the transference, when they start to see you as more human and mm-hmm. they see more of your flaws. Right. And like, you're disappointed in some way in the therapist, how healing that actually is for you, that you can still have a relationship with them. And also that you are noticing that you're still getting better Um, or better is not the right word. Still curious, still understanding yourself more. So I think that when it is appropriate, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of disclosure or allowing somebody into your world in that way uh, is helpful for the patient. 
there was a time um, during COVID, I got called out by a client and that client was like, Anisha, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, you just don't seem on your game today, right? So it felt like they felt like they were present for the session, but I was not as present, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that in that moment, I think at that moment, my client was also upset with me, right? Because how dare you not show up in the way that you always show up? Because I think that um, my voice had changed. They said that like, you always seem very cheerful. And you know, just, I'm usually on 10 basically. And that day I probably was on like three. And so there was a stark difference in my personality. Mm -hmm. And so I was very honest in that moment. And I said, well, to be honest with you, three days ago, my sister, you know, got diagnosed with COVID. And so now she had been around me and my father. And so now I have to get tested and I'm very worried. And so it's just been very challenging the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you how grateful my client was. And they were like, thank you. And like also to see the effects of COVID because they hadn't really been going outside the house. They had really been quarantined and they Mm -hmm. weren't really impacted by it. Right. And so to see how people are being impacted by it and for me to just be very honest Mm -hmm. about what was going on with me was really good for the treatment. And something like that, it felt like it had to be said because the whole world is going through a pandemic. So I am too, (laughs) right? Like we're not exempt from any of it. I'm doing these sessions every day, but you know, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Yeah. And I think that like there were, I mean, there was no way during the pandemic and still, I mean, we're still, we're still in it. We're technically still in a pandemic, everybody, um, that there, that some of those boundaries were not crossed. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, we were working from home. We, we've acknowledged that multiple, multiple times. And we're letting, we are technically letting people into our homes when we turn on our video. They're letting people, they're letting us into theirs. Right. So it it begins to be very personal. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause like, where I sit, I'm in my dining room and I've told them, right? Like, so I don't have, a, I don't have an office. Yeah. I'm always you know, someplace I'm different. Them. I, you know, <laughs> if I'm up here because my, this up here doesn't have, I can't be up here if somebody else is home because it's all open. So otherwise I'm in my bedroom and you can tell there. I'm right. like, <laughs> you can tell when I'm in my bedroom today. Yeah, like, oh, for, it's different. And a different yeah. color. Everything's different. And I'm like, yeah, my seat is real comfy. Like, yeah, it's different. And I wasn't, I know that some people were very particular about where they sat in their house and Mm -hmm. what they did and all of that and making sure that they had the same background. And that wasn't my approach. My approach was that we're all, we're all in it. We're all in different boats, man, but we are all in this storm. And so I'm not going to pretend that like Mm -hmm. this white background and this little plant and I are (laughs) all together the whole time because I don't have my, like, I'm just not that together. I think personally for my the people that I've worked with during this time, it's been mm-hmm. helpful, but yeah, that's... I've been pretty honest. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that because I have a wedding ring, most of my clients know I'm married. Right. So I was like, okay, he's in one room. I'm in another room. And now my dad lives like, you know what I mean? There's so much going on. But yes. I'm changing rooms. There's been times I've been on phone sessions yeah. and like, I'm, I'm making, I'm making lunch. Right. But I'm trying to mute it. Right. So they don't hear me cooking. And then sometimes I don't always hit the mute in time. And I've had clients like, so what are you making, Anisha? And I'm like, uh, huh? And I'm like, I, I, we, I can hear you frying something. And I'm like, 
oh yeah, like I didn't have breakfast yet. So I'm make, but I never want, wanted them to feel like I wasn't present for them, right? Just totally. because I was doing other things. However, yeah. I am in a pandemic. I am working from home. So yeah, like sometimes I am multitasking. Most of the time I am just sitting in the same space, but there are moments that I mean, yeah, other things are happening. Right. Yesterday we had the rain, all the rain. And so when it rains, monkey hides under the bed, like okay. way under the bed, like not even like I, but for those of you who don't have an eight pound dog, like if you're, <laughs> if your 40 pound dog hides under the bed, like you can get that dog. But right. when your eight pound dog hides under the bed, you have to like really maneuver yourself to get in there. And yeah, and he doesn't like the rain. So of course he came out from underneath as soon as it stopped raining at five 15, I was on a call. <laughs> And looked at me and I was like, right, you are in my head. I'm like shaking my head going, right, you have to pee now. So right now. we went out, got my umbrella. We went out. I explained to the, the to the patient, I was really sorry. But like, and normally there's nobody in my lobby. And of course, like we went downstairs and somebody in the, in the <laughs> lobby saying, hi, we're going outside. And it's just like one of those unfortunate things about working from home. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get him. He wasn't going to come out all these things happened. It was the essay was a little chaotic, but that is to say that particular patient got to go on a walk with me a monkey, not something that we would do no. under different circumstances. No. Right. I, I think it, and it forces us to just be more honest, really. Yeah. And it, and it is a vulnerability. Like, you know, um, yesterday I was on session with my own therapist, which is important guys that your therapist has a therapist. And I always go for a walk for my therapy sessions in the park because oh, the park do? next door to me. Every time I'm on my session, we go, I go on for a walk. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people going to your house. I would too. Right. So she says to me, I just need to apologize now, Anisha. I'm like, oh, what's up? She was like, I have some people working on my home and it's really loud. So I'm like, okay. So you can tell like she's muting the thing that I do, like she'll mute when I'm talking. Yeah. And then when she has to talk, she unmutes and we go back and forth. So she unmuted it. And then her dog was like, rah, rah. like, I mean, the dog was going crazy. It was banging in the background. Totally. And there's like, it, you're like, okay, there's nothing. I can I'm like, it's this. okay. Yeah. And, and I said, I appreciate you apologizing. Like I get it. And I think that, you know, again, and did you say, human. where do you live? I'm going to come over for a cocktail. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I was like, and actually it's interesting because because I'm a therapist as well. I'm like, listen, a whole bunch of stuff happens to me when I'm on calls with people. They don't always well, know, but I also think, yeah. okay. I, and let's just go back to the, the, what we saw, right? right? I mean, it is for entertainment. Yeah. But one of the things that we should also talk about is like, when we decide as therapists to expose part of ourselves, we've made the We've acknowledged what's happening in the treatment and it's mm -hmm. happening because we know that this will help you to grow and move forward. And right. I think while I wouldn't invite anybody to my home mm -hmm. because this is not where my office is, right. I don't think anybody would want, like, it's weird to hang out with your therapist. Like you don't want to like you, people think they want to, it's they a fantasy. Think. If the fantasy is that you want to, but you don't really want to, right? Because the, 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 the basic, the premise of therapy is the fact that this person is not a part of your everyday life, right? right. So they are not biased in any way, yeah. right? 
And so you don't have to worry about something that you tell me, I'm going to tell your friends because I'm not a part of your life. Mm -hmm. Like I'm totally separate. You can just tell me anything. I mean, we're fun and everything. You and I, we're good at a party. We're really good at a dinner party. Um, (laughs) But that's just, you want to hang out. Like you want to hang out with your people so like you can be present with your people, but you like allow yourself the fantasy of like what it's like and what is their home like and what is their yeah. life like whatever that may be for you right like we and we do that in our regular lives anyway when we're like even examining like i don't know your friends relationships or your friends life in general work life like we don't really know what happens in somebody's home unless you live there and when people meet us they always think that we're like examining everything that they say and they do because we're therapists Ooh. i don't care Nah, I'm just I'm having not a drink with you. Like I'm I can care working, less yo. about all that. Other stuff. Mm, no, <laughs> I'm not working. No, I'm right. not working. So I but think if you want to show up tomorrow too. at 10, either on video or in my office, then I can. And you want to Venmo me or cash at me for that <laughs> session. I don't have a problem with that. Exactly. <laughs> but that's, that's very another different story. That's another story. It's never that's true. true. Yeah, we just see the the interesting ways in which her clients are able to see her personal life, like really yeah. see her personal life. And I wonder how do they really feel about that? And what would our clients feel if they really could see all that goes on? Well, how would you, I, it's also how you would feel, right? Like there is a professional boundary right? that you, like you wouldn't, it's interesting because this particular profession, right? We said it, it, it's so intimate in people's lives. And Mm -hmm. like most people do not have offices in their home where their clients come. Right. Like that wouldn't be a thing. Like they don't spend 45 minutes in an intimate setting with like that, just talking about you. It is the intimacy of the work that we do that. And I, I completely lost my train of thought, but there's like, I, would, well, also, I feel like I was on a roll and I was good. That, that why? I, I don't know. I was going somewhere. Well, I was I, also I thinking that if you knew the ways in which your therapist sometimes is falling apart, would you believe then that they can be a container for your thoughts and feelings and help you, right? Right. So you really shouldn't know about our personal life, right? Because we are just like everyone else that we fall apart sometimes, but you don't need to know when it's actually happening. You can just imagine that it happens because you know that I'm human, but you don't really need to know because then when I come to session, you're going to think, are you going to be able to take care of me in the ways that you normally do, Anisha, when you got 10,000 things going on in your life? You shouldn't know about the 10,000 things I have going on in my life. That's why I separate Exactly. And you become better at your job with your own life experiences and that how you work through them and how you bring them to your own treatment and what that looks like. And also in the, um, there it was again, there's that thought, I guess, (laughs) I guess we're going to, there's some brain fog today, but in the not knowing you are allowed to fill in that blank or fill in Mm -hmm. that void. Again, it goes back to your own treatment, making and making yourself the, as best you're the best version of yourself that you can. And that's what that, that void is there for. It's so important for your therapist to be in therapy so that our issues don't show up in a session with you. Correct. Yes. Cause we have somewhere to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it in your session. Oh, I know what I was going to say now. What? One of the things that I really did enjoy is that even though there were boundaries, there were boundary things that made a mistake, but (laughs) In, in the, just this way that we're talking, that her life was kind of messy. 
Yeah, just a bit. A little bit messy. But she did when she was present and when she, she was, was on. Her, she was on and her interventions were great. And she really was able to move her patients forward in a way, mm-hmm. again, that was really about somewhere between 18 months and four years that you saw in those four <laughs> weeks, let's be clear. But she was able to do that because there is a professionalism and a professional boundary and a professional code of ethics that we adhere to, that we show up in the room for you. That's right. right? We can and separate. That's what we're supposed to we do. In the same way that you do it when you go to work. Like mm-hmm. when our patients go to work, that's, that's it. Like- they take but, that professional, we hope that they, that that's why they come to us so that they can take that professional self to work. And this is the, one of the many reasons why a therapist is very different from your friends. So when people say, why can't I just talk to my friend? It is a very different situation. Right. Yes. But I do want to say to our listeners, I really had a good time talking about this and we haven't even gotten through all of her clients. No. So I think that we're going to do another podcast about this right because we still have to talk about Layla, Rita and Adam we got to talk about the BF so it's so much more to talk about but I really hope that everyone enjoyed um you know talking a little bit more about therapists and therapy yeah and I think like when we come back when we come back to this conversation it would be good to talk about the role that Rita played in her life and how that is different from therapy yes yeah. Her sponsor. Yeah. Exactly. I think that that's going to be interesting. And actually also talk about the diversity in her clients, like and yes. the importance of that. Yeah. Yeah. At a time like this. So last hurrah. Last hurrah. <laughs> Diana, I have a question for you. You can give me a question. I have a question for you. I don't know if I have a question, but God. Okay. So my question is when the pandemic is actually over, if it ever is, what is the first thing that you want to do? That you feel like maybe you can't do right now? Or is there anything you can't do right now? That's a good question. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of things that I feel that I can't do with the exception mm-hmm. of go to Europe. So I think that uh, I'm not ready to go to Europe. So when they say like done and done, mm-hmm. I'm booking that flight. I'm booking that villa. Right. And I'm getting my butt to Italy. Nice. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Anisha. Yes. What's your favorite karaoke tune? I will survive by Gloria Gaynor. I Ooh, mean, she says I go all out. Yes. Really? I mean, the theatrics. Yes. All the drama. You, you would think that I was a theater major in college the way I go all out. <laughs> but I will survive. <laughs> I'm on the ground. I'm rolling around like I'm giving it all I have. Wow. Wow. OK. OK. All right. Well, there we have it. Our listeners. The next time you hear Gloria Gaynor, you're going to have a little, you're going to have a little question mark. What does Anisha look like singing? And, and give it all you got. Give it, it all you sing got. It, give it all that is going to make me go, make me, get me to karaoke. That's all I can say. It is going to get me to karaoke with you so that I can see it. All right. Well, here we are still in a pandemic. Yes. So stay what safe. do we got? Get, stay, we safe. Got, stay safe. Wash, wash your hands. hands. Just make sure that mask is in your bag and wear it when it is polite. Right. If you need to stay socially distant. Yeah, please. Because some people are not ready for you to be two feet behind them, two feet next to them, in front of them. All of them. I noticed that. I noticed that about myself. I like the social distance, like just not too close yet. And no no close talking, guys. If you're coming in, just give me a heads up. Don't come in hot. Yep. Yeah. Don't come in hot. Just give me, just give me a quick heads up. Like. 
Are we hugging? Are we standing next to each other? Just what are we doing? Ask me. Just ask yes. me. Yeah. All right. All right. See you next well, week. We're going to stop here. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.